Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Dude, I was like frantically panicking to see where the level, because we didn't do a lot of prep, and I was like, oh, where are the levels? Like, is everything okay? And I was I was like, oh, do I have to stop? The-? I forgot. It's been a bit since you introduced the show, so. Almost it's all about levels, it. as Kramer would say. And <laughs> also joining us on this journey is Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. It's hot. <laughs> it is a warm one over the past couple days, but and I'm hopefully, for this shit. Yeah, he's no. He, Maddie is not built for warm weather. He's built for ten degrees or lower. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Dude, I think he well, hopefully is today, built for ten degrees or lower. I don't believe that. Like, the, you can't tell me that humans were meant to roast like chickens. Like, it's just not. It's not a thing. They went through an ice age and we survived it. What does that tell you? Right. We didn't go through a heat, like uh, a heat age. A meltdown. Yeah. Well, no, they did go through a meltdown because that's how the ice age ended. But do you know what I mean? Like there wasn't the polar opposite of an ice age to occur. You know, there's many places in the world that is significantly hotter than it is in Canada. So <laughs> you guys I know, are. I was, talk- uh, I, I was talking to a guy at work and he's from India and he's like, oh, this isn't too bad. I was like, yeah, because that's fucking the third circle of hell where you're from. Yeah, it gets real hot pretty much most places other than Canada and like northern Europe, I guess. But hopefully we have a hot one for you uh, this afternoon. Uh, We have a number of topics on the list, one of which being the Toronto Blue Jays, who are, in fact, very hot right now. The Toronto Raptors, who are not right now. The the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are hot right now. Uh, Bootleg goaltenders is all the rage. That's hot right now. And Chris Wyman was hot (laughs) never. And we will talk all about that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode of 43.6, which is brought to you by, of course, Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But first, before we get to all that, we want to talk about our week and what has been going on in our lives. And uh, they're both saying no, they don't want to do that. No, it's not that we don't want to do it. It's more, buddy, you went gallivanting across the tundra and plains to go to Disney World. So you tell us. Yeah, man. Right. So I did go to Disneyland uh, last week. I also went to Universal Studios. I went to WrestleMania. I saw the San Diego Padres play a game. I saw the Los Angeles Dodgers play a game. I saw the Los Angeles Anaheim Angel. What are the fuck they're called? I think I put that in my uh, Instagram post. Like, I don't even know the name of this team. Are they the Los Anaheim Angels, Angels, the LA Angels, Angels the LA Angels of Anaheim. Anaheim? Just they're the Angels. So I saw the an Angels game as well. Fortunately, the Blue Jays were in town, and of course, they lost that game because Jose Barrios was pitching, who also is the man who's going to take the ball tomorrow. And I'm sure the Jays will lose that game too because at some point they're just going to have to cut bait on Barrios, but they're going to give him plenty of rope to be able to hang himself. But it was a good time. Um, WrestleMania uh, kicked off the week and it was something. SoFi Stadium is a really cool looking building. And some of the weirdest stuff is like a couple couple weird things. Maybe not necessarily weird, just different. Like I'm used to things being done one way in Canada. And when you go to Los Angeles, it's a little different. But so obviously in Toronto, we have hot dog stands you know it's like those tented little things that are on wheels and they you know it's guys sell hot dogs right in la it's like a, a small cart 
like a cart that's no higher than like two and a half feet and it's a flat top and they're cooking their dogs and vegetables and everything like all on this flat top and they're everyone crazies. has like the exact same flat top it's really weird there must be and like some just, sort of manufacturer just sells these all these street vendors they just push it around right yeah yeah it's like the i mean ice it makes sense man. in terms of like portability like yeah, it's, it's lighter to move around it's the ice cream man only it's hot dogs and they don't have a little but smaller like it's, it's even smaller than that it's <laughs> no crazy. you remember dicky d you of course yes yeah, yeah like that does. but with hot dogs I know exactly what you're talking about. Like little bikes that they used to ride around. Yeah. There. Smaller than But this is smaller than a bike. I feel like they need a jingle, a hot dog jingle for the cart. Hmm. I or think like we a need a jingle for this show as well, actually. Could you imagine <laughs> if we got a jingle? That'd be cool. Or like a hot dog we bell. We could probably find someone to do it. When the guy comes around, he just swings a hot dog inside a bell. <laughs> just making a thud. <laughs> That's, the hot dog bell is just... Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> uh, also not too far away from these hot dog vendors like as you're walking up to sofi stadium there's just a dude with a cooler and okay. like he opens up the cooler and there's just cans of modello and there's bottles of tequila that's their and tailgating right i suppose but he's just some dude with a cooler like he's selling them to people as they walk up to the building so have you been to Santa Monica Pier? Uh, we did not get to go. It okay. was uh, well, I just very packed like before. But no, I had, okay. I had back on. So there's these ladies that sit there on the Santa Monica Pier, and all they do is say, hold on, let me figure this out. Four, they say two words. They repeat the first one three times, and then the fourth one, and then they go back into the cycle. It's churros, 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 water. Churros, 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 water, and they just sell this shit on Santa Monica Pier. And oh. that brings me to my next point, and something I didn't realize, and I probably should have, but like I didn't even consider it. And again, I guess this is the Toronto eyes of me, just living here and not thinking of things differently. But when we were leaving WrestleMania night one or night two, I don't remember which one, but we were walking back to like a, a nearby Chili's. Which is inherently another problem with SoFi Stadium, where there's fucking nothing around SoFi Stadium. Like, absolutely nothing. You have to walk 20 minutes like a Chili's. And, like, everyone had that idea, so it was packed. <laughs> um, anyways, as I was leaving, I was, I, I was saying to uh, my niece who came with me, I'm like, this is like, if you told me that WrestleMania took place in Mexico City, I would have believed you. Like, mm. the Hispanic population in Los Angeles is significantly higher than I thought it actually was. Oh, yeah. So... So certain things were happening that I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, so when like Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio had their match, I'm like, it was like the loudest reaction of the whole weekend. I'm like, oh, well, that makes perfect fucking sense. And like, <laughs> I didn't even like clue in that this was a really good match to book in this town for this WrestleMania because of the large Hispanic population. Like, it, it didn't even occur to me. Hmm. So I blend in fine. Everyone just thought I was uh Everyone thought I spoke Spanish, at least. I got a lot of people who's coming up to me to speak in Spanish. I'm like, ah. Did you attempt I, to speak Spanish? No. Other than no comprende, no. I didn't. No hablo uh, espanol. No hablo espanol? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a question well, I guess for you. So that was, that was uh, WrestleMania. Um, yes. You went to Mario and Disney, and I had a question for you before you get into it. Did you rent okay. a car? 
I only rented a car to get to San Diego. Okay, so like your travel from Disney to Mario, how did you do that? So, okay. So I only had a car one day when we went to San Diego. So when I, we just Ubered from the airport to our airport hotel. Actually, I took a, the shuttle. There was a shuttle from our hotel for, to the airport. And then we would Uber from our hotel to WrestleMania at SoFi Stadium. The next day when we went to Hollywood, actually, we checked out of our LAX hotel Sunday morning and dropped all our bags off in Hollywood and spent the day up in Hollywood and then Ubered back to SoFi. When the show ended, Ubered back to our hotel in Hollywood. And then that morning, we would have got up and went to Super Nintendo World because we were there at like 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. in Super Nintendo World. And that's like the hack. I should say it's a hack. That's what you should do if you're going because it's so fucking busy in Super Nintendo World that if you pay like an extra $20, you can get in an hour before the park opens. So Worth highly it. recommend doing that. Pay the extra 20 bucks and get in an hour early because that Mario Kart line gets stupid. Anyways, after that, we went to San Diego the next day. So that's when I rented a car, drove down to San Diego. After the game in San Diego, we drove to Anaheim and I dropped the car off there. So, and then our hotel in Anaheim was like walking distance to Disney. So that's the only time we had a car was to drive from San Diego and then back up to Anaheim. And so that's how we ended up getting all the way around that way. So yeah, Uber, Uber's everything in the States, man. Like you, like no one takes cabs. It's all Uber. If anywhere you go, like I'm, I'm assuming when you landed at LAX, you saw the absolute train of Uber cars. Um, yeah, I don't even know where that pickup was. So we were, we, were, we had a airport shuttle to the airport or the uh, hotel that is fancy boy. So I didn't even go towards like the rideshare area, but no, there's a number of places like uh, Angel Stadium and Dodger Stadium where they have like a portion of one of the parking lots that everyone just goes to and you stand in like this fenced off area and that's where you get your Ubers like Ubers just flying by and everyone just stands in this parking lot area. And you just get in a car, get in the car, waits, get in the car. Waits for their license plate, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, which is very helpful because I wasn't sure getting out of some of these ballparks, like how I was going to get where I needed to go. It was a little daunting, for sure. I can only imagine what, like, people around here do. Like, I guess the benefit of Toronto is that, like, it's a grid. the Rogers Center is five well, to five. It's like, like 10 minutes away to the subway station. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. But it's also a Whereas, grid, right? Like it's north, south, east, west. Like Toronto's not, not exactly a fucked up, planned city. No, the problem with uh, LA is everything's everywhere. It's scattered about, right? So yep. like, if you want to go to Venice Beach in Santa Monica, you got to go one way. You want to go to Hollywood, you got to go to the other end. Downtown LA and Koreatown's in one spot, and then everything else is like nothing. Where Toronto, a lot of what you would want to do is downtown centralized. Like, yes, you may need. Oh, just go a couple subway stops over and you're there. That's not how it works in LA. And then the traffic is absolute shit. Like, it's stupid how bad. Like, people who complain here don't have shit to say. It is infinitely worse in LA. And it doesn't help that it's built on, like, a mountain, essentially. (laughs) So there's... there. We were driving up north to Hollywood. And I was looking over at the southbound traffic. And it wasn't even moving. 
because something had like rolled off a hill and blocked like every lane of traffic going southbound on this highway. <laughs> and for miles, it was just stop cars on the highway and there was nothing they could do. So do you, so I, I go to LA a fair bit just cause like my wife's job, that's where her head office is. So she goes and then I'll just like fly out. I'm good to leave there after four days. Did you kind of, like, I know you had a lot to do, but were you just like, yo, I, I'm good. Yeah, I feel like LA was one of the first places I've been to. And maybe it's because I was there for an extended period of time. We were there for about nine days where I was like, if I never come back here, I'm okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't ever need to come back to this city or this. I mean, I would still want to go to San Francisco because I, well, I still have to get the Giants stamp in my ballpark passport and the... I literally thought you were going to giant stamp on my balls for a second. <laughs> I'm, I'm so tired that it's just like, I thought that's what you were going to say for a second. I would just put my head down. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I have a ballpark passport. So that's part of the reason why I'm doing this. It's actually really cool. So every ballpark I go to, you get an actual stamp and you collect all 30 of them. Actually, there's more than 30 to collect. There's also one for like uh, the Louisville Slugger factory and like field of dreams and the hall of fame etc etc anyways so yes i will have to go back to california for oakland and for san francisco and i i guess all in one trip i probably should just go up to seattle as well nevertheless um super nintendo world was awesome definitely recommend getting in there early for that extra half hour whatever or extra hour i should say because once we like, because we get there, and by the time you walk all the way down to Super Nintendo Land, which is like the farthest possible point of the entry gate of Universal Studios, and you got to go down like six escalators to get there. By the time you do that, and then you get your power up band to get all your coins, and then you go and stand in line for Mario Kart. By the time you're done that, your hour's up. And then, ooh, the floodgates are opened, and Mario Kart goes from a 30-minute wait to a three-hour wait. So pack a lunch if you don't plan on paying that extra 20 bucks. And then, yeah, Disney, we did a lot of the food and wine festival. So uh, if you're following along on my Instagram, you would have saw a ton of, a ton of food that we consumed over the past week. Oh, also uh, food, speaking of which, got to try In-N-Out for the first time ever. It's subpar. The fries are trash. The fries are probably the worst fries I've had in my life. And absolutely the burger is fine. But if I had to rank of all the burgers that I had over those nine days from Jack in the Box and from Carl's Jr. and from In-N-Out, In-N-Out might be better than Jack in the Box. It's not better than Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. in general was better uh, in terms of every possible way of looking at it. Carl's Jr. was better than In-N-Out. So. Something to keep in mind. I know everyone who goes to California for the first time feels like they have to try in and out. And I, I don't, um, I'm not going to recommend you don't. I, th- I still think you should try it. It's because everybody but who has a go fucking in with... podcast from California goes, oh, bet in and out? Like, the burger bet is an in and out. Like, I don't know. So you it's hear because, it. All the time. It's because it's cheap and accessible everywhere. Though. It is cheap. I will give you that. It is cheap. It was like oh. four bucks or something for a burger. So that's maybe that's where it comes from. But In and Out is trash. Yeah, trash. it's not. 
I remember the, the first thing I, 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 first time I was ever in LA, I landed and I was like, I want to try in and out. And then I was like, I never need to have in and out ever again. I, yeah. I, I, I genuinely prefer Shake Shack. It's a lot better. So much so. Okay. So like I was saying that like near SoFi Stadium, there's not a whole lot going on there. There's like one plaza just like southeast of the stadium. And across the street is where that Chili's was. But there's a Target there and there's a, an In-N-Out and there was a Chipotle. And the first day on the Saturday, WrestleMania night one, we had In-N-Out and then walked over to WrestleMania. Night two, we went to Chipotle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was so dead set against getting anything that I, can't, like, that I, that I can, can get in Canada. I figured it was unnecessary to eat something I can eat here at any time. But In-N-Out was so like mid that I figured, fuck it, we'll just get something good today and we'll go to Chipotle. <laughs> so that's the level of what In-N-Out is. It's, it's not great. Yeah. No, cool. it's... You don't need to ever really get it, to be honest. And then, yeah, we, we saw a bunch of different baseball games, saw the Dodgers, had a Dodgers dog, which was the best hot dog I had on the trip, that's for sure. Uh, San Diego Padres probably had the best ballpark that I saw throughout the trip by far mainly because it's a newer one, I suppose. Like Both the Dodger Stadium and uh, Angel Stadium are built in the 60s, I think, so they're not nice necessarily to look at. One thing that drove me nuts, though, in Anaheim, and I didn't notice this anywhere else I've ever been, so maybe it's just me on this one particular day, but I'm sitting there watching this baseball game, Blue Jays and Angels, and at all points of the fucking game, there are people just getting up and walking around. Like, out of their seat, walking up the stairs, walking down from stairs into their seat. You, you can't do that in the Rogers Center. Like, if you want to... Like, you can get up and leave whenever you want, fine. But if you want to get from the concourse down to your seat, you have to wait until an at-bat is over. Like, as a batter's walking up to the plate, or as in the middle of innings or whatever. And then they say, okay, everyone, now quickly run down to your seats. Like we're in the middle of that bat with Shohei Otani, and people are getting getting up. Like, oh, excuse me, going to get to my seat. Thank you. <laughs> oh, excuse me, going to get into my seat. Like, for like, what the fuck is going on? Like, does anyone? Why is there no one policing this? Why are people just getting up and moving around all they want? And it also reminded me a lot of the Seattle days of uh, Ichiro Suzuki. Like, way, 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 way back in the day when I. I just dropped my phone on my keyboard way, way, way back in the day when I interned for AM640. Um, I was covering the Toronto Blue Jays for a season and I would go to the ballpark every day at the same time. And I remember showing up one day and it just being fucking rammed. I was like, I can't even get into the media area. There's so many people here. There's nowhere to sit. The food's all gone. What is happening today? Why is this a thing? And then I realized, oh, it's Seattle, and Ichiro Suzuki's here. So instead of there being two away reporters, there's 42 away reporters. And 40 of them are from Japan. And they, like, their, their entire job is to follow this guy all over the world. And I can't speak about reporters, but I can tell by looking at the people in the crowd and it seemed like there was three distinct different fans in the building that day there was a small group of blue jays people who are all wearing blue 
and then there was a small group of angels people who were wearing red, and then there was a huge number of people who all were wearing Otani jerseys. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a different experience, man. Like, this guy has brought an entire different, I don't know, genre of people to watch his games, right? And it's just, it was, it was just different. I didn't expect it, right? It was, it was similar to, like, the WrestleMania experience of everyone speaking Spanish around me. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why is everyone speaking Japanese now all of a sudden? Like, where am I? What is happening? Stop talking uh, to me yeah. in Spanish. <laughs> and the legend's growing, right? Like, the World Baseball Classic. And, yeah. you know, it just, it continues to have, you know, like, chapters written at, at every turn. And, and I think Maddie posted something in the, the Discord earlier yesterday about a guy... I don't know if you saw this about the bet about like yep. the dollar to bet on Otani having a no hitter so to get and the cycle for and the cycle. no hitter in the same game in the same game like like a dollar bet would get you like a million bucks or something. Well, the odds are like twenty two million something, so one dollar would make you like you get two million. That's got to be impossible. Right? Someone did it in the minors, apparently. So well, you say it's impossible, but if there's anybody who's going to do it, who do you think it's going to be? Well, sure, yes, I, I understand that. And I guess if you look at it that way, what do you lose at the end of the season if you, it doesn't pay out for you? You lose $160. No, you don't, because right. he doesn't pitch every day. That's a good point. You're, pay, you're a dollar a week, essentially, until like there's going to be a couple times where you might do $2 a week because he's pitching in a, twice in a seven-day cycle, right? Because he'll do five days, yeah, and then fifty bucks will be like a most, Monday, man. and then he'll do a Sunday or Saturday, whatever. But it's essentially, thir- and how many weeks are in a baseball season? Like 32? No, like I said, it's, it's $50 at most. Yeah. It's $50 essentially to get um, a potential $2.5 million payout. I may have to look into this. Yeah. <laughs> Here, like, should we all enter a we or uh, a every start bet for Otani? I'll do I mean, for a dollar, dollar each, three bucks. I mean, I might even put in two dollars. Yo, okay, you're too like fancy for me, man. This guy comes back from LA, <laughs> starts spending the big coins. Yeah, I know. Yeah, eh? exactly. Ole gave uh, Ole. <laughs> wow, LA giving gave him a spending boner for sure. Maybe I'll uh, just chip in one U.S. dollar. How about that? Yeah. So you, you get $2.86 Canadian. Yeah. What about you guys? Anything else uh, you want to add to the list of things that's happened in your life? My kid had her 100 day. Is that a, is that a milestone? A, it's a Korean thing. So like okay. back, in the, back in the day in Asia, specifically like Korea, China and shit like that, um, if you had a kid, you didn't leave your house. The kid didn't go outside. People didn't come see the kid for the first hundred days because there's a lot of like disease and shit like that during, and this is back when like hundred, probably like a thousand years ago or some shit like that anyway. And so the mother and shit would stay inside with the kid for a hundred days. Um, and it would be weird shit too, where it's like the ma, the mother wouldn't like shower. She would you know, clean with special products and stuff like that, just essentially to keep the kid alive because there's such a high risk of disease and shit like that. Right. So the whole thing was that once the kid reached a hundred days, it was safe for them. Like they were going to 
essentially beat any potential diseases they may come into contact with. Um, and so then that would be like the celebration of all like the family, the friends and stuff. The kid would go outside. You do a, like a special celebration. Now it's just more ceremonial than anything that they kind of maintain as like a tradition. So it was her hundred days on Sunday. Yeah, she was nice. in her she was in her cute little Korean hanbok, which is like her Korean little dress thing. Um, she took pictures. We ate food. We had cake. And that's pretty much it. It's kind of like a pseudo birthday thing. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a a three month birthday or a four month birthday or something like that, right? Yeah, but the the thing is that on her birthday they do like the item selection, where it's like you put out. Um, like a pencil, a stethoscope, some sporting equipment, some money and whatever. And then you make the kid crawl to it and then she picks up one and whatever she picks up, like that's going to be her profession of the future. So everyone's like hoping for a doctor or lawyer or something like that. Well, what you should do. I'm going to wrap a hockey stick in lights. (laughs) That's not quite what I meant, but what you should do is put down a Charmander, a Bulbasaur (laughs) and a Squirtle. We are doing that. She's doing good. Yeah, so we're going to do that. So she's going to pick the item and then she's we're going to dress her up like Ash Ketchum. Nice. And then she's going to crawl and pick one of her starters. And the right answer is Charmander, right? No, the right answer is Squirtle. Or she goes off the board and finds your Pikachu Squishmallow. Hold on, hold on. James. Charmander, Squirtle, Bulbasaur. I alternate depending on the game I play. It'll be Squirtle or Charmander. So... I'm in the I'm in between you two naturally. All right, as long as it's not Bulbasaur, I think we can. Uh, yeah, but we can if be okay you, with that answer. You go ahead and pick your Charmander because who's going to win that fight if I pick Squirtle? That's actually an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer to that argument. So. Right? Go ahead, pick your Charmander. I'm going to win. It's funny because like Wifey's favorite Pokemon is Charmeleon, so she always picks Charmander. Um, but yeah, Charmeleon's a dick. Charmeleon's awesome. He's just edgy. He's our teen angst in Pokemon form. But yeah, so we're going to do that. But yeah, Jimmy's right. She may find her Pikachu Squishmallow go off the board. I have a Gengar Squishmallow. She may find my Haunter, my stuffed Haunter that I have. I feel like he just needs to do a good job of not putting these on display while (laughs) she's making this very difficult choice. I very much like the ghost Pokemon Gengar. I don't know why he's like my one of my top three or like even top two favorites. But Gengar is, I love Gengar. I think he's awesome. But yeah, that was our, that was my weekend. Jim was there too. So, and then we did like our Easter dinner and. Oh yeah, that was this past week, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's pretty much how my week was. Now I'm struggling through this fucking heat because like I said, my body's been primed for cooler weather, especially considering the past like couple weeks has been, you know, five, six, seven degrees. And then it's like you go from seven to 30. I haven't had the chance to ease into it yet. So it's been rough sledding. It worked out well for me because I was in California and it was nice and warm. And then I came back here and somehow it was nice and warm. And <laughs> uh, following me all the way from Anaheim was the Toronto Blue Jays, who were in Anaheim to play the Angels and now are home for their homestand and been playing fairly well in their homestand. Thankfully, they, uh, they look like they are a team to be. I was going to say a team to, to, to mess with, but not a team to mess with, I guess is the right way to say what I was trying to say. Um, the Jays are currently in a series against the Detroit Tigers. They've won two of the three. And uh, as a recording 
the game has not started yet, so we are unaware of how the game on Thursday night goes. And thank you for joining us on a Thursday. Um, we had a number of scheduling issues, and uh, took a little while for us to all get together. But the headline, I think, for the Blue Jays coming home and starting this homestand, of course, is the renovations of the Rogers Center that's finally done, and we finally get a chance to see what it looks like. Have you guys had a chance to go to a game yet so far? No, I'm going perhaps at some point this weekend. My question to you guys is, yay or nay on the poutine hot dog? 100% yay. Do it. Fuck it. Try things. You know, experience is what life is. James? I mean, there... I don't. I can't be that bad, can it? I don't know. Did you try it? Like, how is it a hot dog with fries, cheese, and gravy, or is it a hot dog with gravy and cheese? So that's a good question. And I was having this argument yesterday. And there is fries, but it's not like fries. They're like small, cut up potato. So I guess like they're fries. So take a fry and then like dice it up into like, like a two millimeter size squares. Yes, like hash browns. Yeah, but not as thick as a hash brown. No, like the little square hash browns you get in the bag. I mean, probably. But like the Cavendish so, ones. But okay, so but why wouldn't you just make the bun out of like a French fry like patty? Like potato. a potato. Like a potato, potato bun? <laughs> you know, like, no, or like a potato patty. Like, you know what I mean? And you fold it over like a potato pancake and then put gravy and cheese on that. Like that, to me, that makes way more sense. Oh, you know what? And this also reminds me, this is something that I saw a lot in California. And man, we need to have a conversation with all of the people that we know from the United States. And we need to like tell them, okay, enough's enough. It's time to ease up on the ranch dressing. Yeah, ranch <laughs> is overrated, man. It's, it's good for a veggie dip and that's about it. It's not even good as a salad yeah. dressing. Smile fries or cross track fries. That's good. Like I'm not even I'm not even joking. When you go to one of these stadiums and you know you get a hot dog, all right? And then you go to the condiments stand and you got the pumps. So you got your pump for your ketchup, you got your pump for your mustard. In some places, there's a pump for relish. I I, I shit you not, there was a fucking blue one that mm -hmm. said ranch on it. These motherfuckers are fucking ranch. <laughs> these fuckers are pumping ranch out of pumps at ballparks dude mayo makes more sense than ranch it makes a lot more sense but there was fucking ranch so i'm just saying y'all out there in the united states like chill it you need to figure some shit out with this ranch well you know why though it's like it's terrible to say the fattest country on the planet i'm not surprised I, I mean i but is that like I don't think causation or, yeah. <laughs> or like correlation no, it's like, like, for them what do you think i think they're like the number one cause of obesity in the u.s is ranch like it probably know. doesn't help no but. it definitely doesn't help but i feel like the the <laughs> the overweight problem probably exists and then the ranch doesn't help i don't feel like everyone is overweight because of the ranch i feel like you are overweight and thus enjoy ranch more because you're overweight yeah have you not seen the videos online of people that just chug bottles of ranch no oh. no i haven't no that's gross <laughs> oh stop this is coming we're the generation that like invented two girls one cup don't don't be like oh ranch that, dressing that's still is weird. that's still gross <laughs> that's still gross in the, today 
but ranch ranch 100 overrated it is it is garbage it's only good when there's a veggie platter and you got some broccoli some cauliflower whatever i will not put it on a salad i will not put it on anything else i do not like ranch dressing he will not i went to buffalo wild wing one night and i got just a regular order of wings and i got two cups i didn't ask for this but it came with two dips of ranch like the regular like one and a half ounce or two ounce ramekin takeout ramekin of of ranch that comes with every other fucking wing order you've ever had in your life it came with two of those guys but nevertheless uh poutine dog i don't know how i feel about it it it's got a lot of play all over the place um it made a lot of headlines when the toronto blue jays unveiled the uh, new ballpark and showed off the new menu uh, i know i think it's a good w- idea i know people in terms that went. of like yeah i know people that went and they said that like to me i i've heard mixed reviews i've heard that it's a ballpark i've heard like they've changed a few things and the the sections are so popular that it just it makes no sense you know like if you like wait till it dies down because it's just you try and get up to the park social or the corona whatever like it's just there's no point like people are waiting half an hour like why are you going to a ball game to wait half an hour to go to a uh, a bar at a ball game like just go to a bar and watch a ball game or go to the ball game and watch a ball game like it's so i don't know that's the way i feel about it like like i get it the facelift is probably more feasible financially than an entire new park but like i don't give a shit like i want to sit there and watch a game so it means nothing yeah. to me really that's like the people that go and being like oh we went to a bar there's also a baseball game that was going on there you know what i mean i Again, and I know I'm different. There's some people that go as the social experience of being with everyone at something doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like a baseball game or whatever. But when I go to a sporting event, I want to watch the event. Like I want to watch the game. And it's like when people are like, hey, let's go to a hockey game. We could do this. It's like, no, I'm not going going to go to the bar beforehand and then go to the game. Like I want to go and I want to sit there and Jim can attest to this because him and me have gone to many a hockey game together. When the game's on, I literally sit like this. You can't see right now, but Maddie has his hands <laughs> on his or his chin on his hands. And he's mm-hmm. very intently looking forward. It's it's kind of like hilarious, but that's what I'm going for. So like to what Jim's saying, I'm going to watch the game. I don't fucking care about sitting on a couch out in, you know, mid left playing cornhole. Like, yeah, Jays are supposed to be good. <laughs> like, like, why are you playing Cornhole? The only the only positive I thought about some of this facelift, and you can probably also speak to this too, Jim, is um, it'd be easier to bring your kid. They're not yeah. stuck in a seat. They, you know, if you're in one of those neighborhood sections, they can at least move around a bit. They're not just sitting there, whatever. You know, it's kind of Provided beneficial. There's not a lot of drunk morons spilling shit everywhere and that's the other thing i guarantee you infinitely more fights are going to happen well i get the impression and i haven't been there to see it yet but i get the impression that park social is intended for younger people with like the seesaws and the video games and the arcade cabinets and stuff yeah. and then down the hall at the corona rooftop 
patio. That's kind of where the adults are supposed to be, at least in terms of the 500 level. So what would be cool? <laughs> you bring your kids, throw them in Park Social, and they say, all right, see you later. See you in five hours. And you go in the Corona patio after that. <laughs> Come back kidless. Hey, they had a good run. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But the Blue Jays are on a good run right now, winning uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their last eight games. Hopefully, we'll make it eight of their last nine. But the problem is they are going to be running into the Tampa Bay Rays uh, starting tomorrow night for a weekend series. And the Rays have yet to lose a game this season. As ridiculous as that sounds, they've won 13 in a row to start the season. I was reading a stat last night, so it's even less now. But it says something like the Rays just have to go like 58% baseball from here on out to win 100 games. <laughs> dude, is, dude, the Rays have to, yeah, the Rays, from like the fact they've won 13 games in a row, they can just go 500 the rest of the season and make the playoffs. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, to be fair, to, to be, be fair, fair, to be fair, thank you. Um, they started the season against Detroit and then Washington. And then Oakland, and then Boston. Yeah, I mean, so it's all... not like they started the season against, you know, the Blue Jays and the Yankees and the Dodgers or like all these good teams that you expect to be playoff teams. They're playing teams that you expect to be in the bottom five of Major League Baseball. So just throwing that out there, and we'll get a very good understanding of exactly what the Rays are this weekend when they play the Blue Jays. Unfortunately. <laughs> The lineup of pitchers uh, for this series is going to be, of course, starting with Barrios and then Kikuchi and then Manoa. So maybe not the best uh, three the Jays could have thrown out, but that's how it happens when the lineups are what they are at this point in the, in the season. But how many more starts do you give Barrios until uh, you give up on him? Three. Yeah. Three total starts or three more starts? Three more starts in a regular rotation before you don't necessarily give up, but he's pulled from the rotation. Someone else goes in and he goes to the pen and or you're just a trade him. Although you're going to get nothing for him because he's not doing anything on that contract, right? So. I mean, I just think the this team waited too long last year to make changes when things kind of went downhill. You are primed this year to be a top team in the MLB. You did a lot of the heavy lifting during the offseason that you're not waiting for this shit anymore. But get ahead of it. Don't be like last year. What freaks me out is that people say like between goalies and pitchers, like you don't forget how to pitch and you don't forget how to play goal. So I don't know like where this guy's operating from because again you like you there's a natural decline and obviously an ability as you age but he's not that old. So I don't again I don't know where he's lost mechanics or where or if somehow the league just one day figured him out and he hasn't adjusted properly. It seems kind of weird that, that would be it but I don't I don't know man. Like the, the Jays it's funny, like the pitching has not been the greatest from the rotation to start the season. Uh, and we, we all thought that was going to be a massive area improvement with Chris Bassett, who has been uh, horrendous um, to start this year. And Jose Barrios has been horrendous to start the year. Alec Manoa has left a little bit to be desired to begin the season. So 
you know, I the Jays are eight and four. You know, I I don't I think what benefits them is is the all business attitude approach. Now, I think that's a large portion of why they're eight and four, despite their their starting pitching. You know, it's nice. It's uh, dude. I know we've beaten this ad nauseum. How fucking refreshing is it to not see a stupid home run jacket? every single time like they had five home runs the other game and it was just it was just to the bench like business as usual vladdy mocked the jacket at one point in terms of like pretending to put one on and having someone put it on and i'm like buddy just fuck off with that like just leave it alone stop, leave it yeah alone. stop being a child but you know i think the jays have a, a a rotation issue that hopefully gets sorted out like you said with burritos and you know I know, say this, I still think they have a middle infield problem that kind of refuses to go away. Because I don't know how many more times I can watch Bo Bichette boot balls into center field or whatever anymore. Or, you know, I heard a good point on overdrive today. Like, he's going to injure Vladimir Guerrero by underthrowing him. Right? Like, Vladdy can thank Bo for his gold glove, but Bo can thank Vladdy for keeping him at shortstop. You know, last night, um, Matt Chapman, who's been on fire, was DHing, and they gave Santiago the start at third base, and he was great, like defensively, at yeah. least. Matt Chapman gets... batting 49. <laughs> it's, yeah, Chapman <laughs> is ridiculous stupid. right now. But I don't know if Bo Bichette is even like the third best shortstop on this roster. You know what I mean? Like I you could put uh, well, obviously Chapman, you could slide over. You wouldn't, but I'm just saying you could. Um, between Santiago Espinal and even Whit Merrifield, uh, Whit Merrifield—that's the other name I was looking for—and then Kevin Biggio. Like you could probably put three guys there at shortstop right now. That would be an upgrade from Bobichet defensively. Obviously, Bobichet is still a, a effective offensive player. I'm not saying he's not, but I think. And we're, yeah, this is a horse that we've been beating for a long time. But this team would be much better served defensively if Bobachet was a second baseman instead of a shortstop. And the funny thing is, I don't think it's for lack of anything other than the guy has way too much passion and pride. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just wants to be the best. He wants to be the best at the, the most prolific position. And, you know, like, credit to having that drive. But, like, at some point... You know, either you got it or you don't. And he's got to think what's best for the team. I mean, look at George Springer. I'm sure, you know, he didn't think, you know, oh, I can't wait to move to right field. But the guy understands he's not going to get as beat up out there. Uh, Kiermaier's, a, a, you know, objectively, like Springer's a great defender, but Kiermaier's objectively a better defender than George Springer in center yes. field. And so now you have three in free up like significantly above average defenders in all three, you know, parts of the field. So, you know, moving George to right, I think George is smart enough to understand that me being here makes that entire outfield better. And I just right, wish but that wasn't that wasn't Springer's call, right? The organization made that call and said but we're right. going to bring in Varsho, we're going to bring in Kiermaier. But you don't think the organization's gone to Bo and be like, Bo, you need to go to center or you need to go to second. And Bo's been like, I fuck think, you, I'm not going. I think they're afraid to have that conversation with him. I think they've had it, and I think he's been like, no, nah, I'm good. 
And they're like, oh, well, I, okay. I think until the organization brings in a shortstop to play that position, I don't think they're serious about it. I think they're okay with him at short. Well, I think then they're going to have to outscore their errors, right? Because those those middle infield errors are going to turn into extra bases, Losses. extra runs, right? Well, yeah. The second it starts affecting the win-loss column is when, at that point, it's not a conversation you have with Bo. It's a, this is what we're doing. You're costing us wins. At this point, it's no longer about anyone's feelings. Similar to the situation the Leafs were in. You know, at the trade deadline, like, great. You know, you've been here for a long time and there's a certain amount of loyalty, but no, too bad. It's now it's all about the W's. And if that's not conducive to it, you're moving. You're playing second. If you don't like it, you can sit. But yeah, the new guys look fantastic. Dude, I'm I will I'm gonna sleep with Kevin Kiermeyer. Like that's my goal for the end of the year. He, is, is he is it just me or is he very pretty? He's a very pretty human being. And he is dude. He's like his interview after the game the other day on the was the home opener. The dude was just like so happy to be here. Like, I don't know. Kevin Kiermaier, happy to be here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he was just like pandering. I don't think so. He looked genuinely stoked to be here. Um, although you know, he, the team he just left is currently 13 and 0, so no, for sure. Right. But, but do you think in, I don't think there's ever been a time in Kiermaier's professional career where he is played in front of a home crowd like that that and i think that's what it is like there's a certain energy to the city when the team's winning because like let's be honest the toronto blue jays fan base is a come as you win fan base um i i don't think he's ever experienced anything like that for a regular season game no. and it's got to be nice barely to in a feel playoff like- game Right, it's got to be nice to feel it from from day one. So, and not to mention the love he got specifically. And I, again, I don't think Rays fans have that kind of affinity to their players, like on a one to one basis. But there were already Kiermaier signs in the crowd. Um, you know, the ovation he got for the catch and the home run. Like the dude, I don't know. Uh, low key, everyone was like, "This man's old." I think I said it when they acquired him. I think he's going to have some magic in the city, and I think we're about to find out that. That guy's got probably a lot more left in the tank than we thought. So, and I mean, Varsho's a beast. And then, you know, it's, we're very, I don't miss, like, watching this team so far, I don't miss the fucking dudes that that traded. I don't miss them at all. And one of the teams I got to see on my trip was the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, oh boy, Guriel going 0 for 5. I'm like, yep. That that, that sounds about right. That looks familiar. That checks out. (laughs) Math checks out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, I just did a a bit of quick math, actually. Um, Of the six home games so far for the Tampa Bay Rays, they are averaging 17,000 people per game. And obviously the Jays only played two so far, but they're averaging uh, 37,000. So 17 is not bad for the Rays. It's I mean, it's not bad. Sure. But But weren't the the athletics having like 5,000 last year? Yeah, the Rays. Actually, I wonder what that number is for what the Rays and what the uh, the Athletics both had, like average for the entire season last year. Um, but it was bad, like to a point where team people are talking about moving these teams. Like Tampa was like so, going to play half the year in Montreal this year, right? Like they yeah. were at least talking about doing something like that. But Tampa just has, you know, 
I know they they played shitty teams, but you look up and down that lineup, and they're dude, they're a good team, and they they always find a way to get these players. And I mean, I think it's a different era for the Rays. And I know we're moving off the Jays a little bit here with this, but I think Wander Franco signing long term is a different era for that team because like no dude has ever like really stuck. I mean, Evan Longoria did, I guess. But he he eventually left. But I think they've got a lot of pieces now in in concert to to carry them forward between Franco, a Rosarina, Shane Boz, McClanahan. Like they have a good set of players all at once, and it's it's cool to watch. Like I don't hate the Rays. I hate that the Jays can't ever beat them, even when they're bottom feeding. But we'll see. The Last year, about- the oh. Tampa Bay Rays averaged 13,927 fans to a game. Uh, that was 28th in the league. Miami I mean, was Oakland. 29th with 11,203. And then, seven. yeah. Oakland was last with 9,970. Oh, I was close. Four but- digits. <laughs> uh, and. By comparison, the Toronto Blue Jays last year was 32,763. So all, more than triple what you're getting in Oakland. Eighth in the league for the Jays, about? Eighth, exactly, yeah. Oh, shit. I'm a good guess. There you go. Um, yeah, good for them, man. And like, and that's the thing. Like, I think there's these guys like a Kiermaier, and even like to an extent Merrifield, right? Like, I think there's a little bit of rejuvenation in their game knowing a like like Kiermaier gets it the first thing he said is like Toronto can Canada the country like he understands that it goes left to right like it's a very big fan base that you know he I think he understands when he goes to play Seattle it's basically a home game you know so he's um it'll be cool I the tone is noticeably different even from full year of John Schneider um you know uh I'm looking forward to it I think there's I think there's promising things. I just I'm concerned about the middle infield defense and I and that rotation, man. They gotta <laughs> they gotta they gotta figure it out. Like Bassett's a veteran, so I think he will. And Barrios looks like a hangover, and that's what's scary. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect with Barrios going forward, but um I'm excited for the rest of this Blue Jay season to see where it goes and I fully expect by the end of the year they're going to be playing some meaningful baseball, and that's all I can ask for. And I also ask you to do one more thing for me, to check out our sponsor, Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the U.S. and U.K., which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And make sure you go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off your next order. A team that's going to take the next 43 um Point six months off or I guess weeks off or days off or whatever is going to be the Toronto Raptors who are officially eliminated from the NBA playoffs not that they're really in the NBA playoffs but for whatever reason the NBA likes to make their playoff structure uh, clear as mud so the Raptors were one of the teams that were on the bubble so to speak 
and we're playing a play-in game last night against DeMar DeRozan's Chicago Bulls. And we have to give credit to DeMar DeRozan and probably even more credit to his young daughter for defeating the Toronto Raptors. And that's what happened last night. The Toronto Raptors lost to a child and they are not moving on in the playoffs. This very well could have been the last game of Nick Nurse as the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Very well could be the last time we see Pascal Siakam in a Toronto Raptors jersey because something has to change. I, I think after seeing that performance, they were up like 19 or something at the half. And I know it's basketball, like leads don't mean anything in basketball. At some point in the fourth quarter, it's going to be tied and you're going to have to keep playing. But if you're missing that many free throws, I think it was 18 free throws that they missed in that fucking game. Eight, dude, they were 18 for 36. 50%. Dude, Helen Keller doesn't go 50% from the line. You're right, she goes 12. <laughs> but there was a point near 51. the end of the game there where I think the Raptors were down three or they're down two with seconds left. And Siakam had three free throws. And it would have either tied the game or like gave the Raptors a one-point lead. Or I, it, yeah, it was the tie. And he missed yeah. two of three. And I was just like, motherfucker, if you gave me three opportunities to hit a free throw, I would have missed every single one of them. But the point is, <laughs> you are only one field goal better than I am right now? Yeah. That can't be a real thing. Dude, they're called free throws for a reason. They're free. They're supposed to be free buckets. Like, yes. it's basically like, we're, we're not giving you an opportunity to make the shot. We're giving you an opportunity to fuck it up. And they fucked up so many times. That entire game was a replay of a, their entire season in 48 minutes. It was just, the, the team has no identity. They don't, they had, nobody can shoot the ball on that team. Like, there's nobody who fires a mid-range jumper. But they got six guys with wingspan. It's like, okay, you know, but they can't dribble, right? Like, OG's not a dribbler. Siakam can't dribble. Like, even watching Scotty, like, Scotty's great. and But Scotty, Scotty's not a dribble. Like, you know, it's just, you know, and they signed a fucking Pirtle, which is, like, he looks like he fits in. But the dude's a free agent. So if, if by chance he doesn't sign, which I think he will... That's going to look like a moron move. And they finished 41 and 41. So their picks don't matter. Nothing matters. This team, nothing matters for this team, which is so fucked up. Like, you're right. Something has to change because you can't. I don't know, man. You can't bring this back, right? Like, this roster, as it's, as it's made up right now, can't be the roster that starts next year. Well, Fred's gone. Gary Trent's gone. Nick Nurse is going to be gone. So. Here's the thing, though. Like, I would keep Gary Trent. I think Gary Trent could win sixth man of the year. I really do. I think, like, if I was to keep dudes from this roster, I would keep Gary Trent, Jakob Pertl, OG Ananobi, and Scotty Barnes. Those are the guys I would keep. And then everything yeah, else. Yeah, I feel like that's the same conversation we had at the trade deadline. Yeah, exactly. They should be trading Siakam and Van Vliet because this is what was going to happen. Right. And I think that's the piss off is that we saw this coming from a mile away, like almost literally a mile in translation to time that we knew we said, what, you're going to get in a play in, maybe win the one game in the play in. You know, you're not going to really do anything in the playoffs. So why are you going to not 
give up the assets you have to recoup, you know, assets to build with. And <laughs> stupid. The, the 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 more the more actually I think about it, and I don't know how often this has been brought up because I know that the Raptors situation has been brought up a lot in like sports talk radio and all the podcasts and shit. But here's the one that really gets me now that you mentioned that, Maddie. If they wanted Jakob Pertl, they could have signed him in the offseason. He's a free agent. Right? So if they had their heart set on Jakob Pertl, I guarantee they could have just signed him and they could have done the the Dallas Mavericks thing and, and tanked the fuck out of their season and gotten a half-decent pick and not have to trade that to San Antonio. It's just... I like I don't get the math. Like I know Masai, the deals will be there, but your situation's not the same. So the deals could be there, but now you're in no man's land. You're you're literally a nothing team. You're forty one and forty one, not good enough to make the playoffs, good enough to make the play, and not good enough to get a decent pick. Like what the fuck are you? And you think teams are going to help the Raptors out by trading high for like the teams with good picks aren't the teams that are going to want to acquire a Siakam or a Van Vliet. Like the Lakers are going to want to acquire Van Vliet, right? Like so that's to, to be clear. Um, I'm just looking at the Toronto Raptors contracts for next year. Pascal is under contract for one more year starting next year or one more is the final year of his contract next year. Same with Van Vliet final year of the contract next year. Same with Gary Trent final year of the contract next year. You're right about Jakob Pertle is uh, a free agent as of uh, now, essentially. Right. So I don't know, man. It was embarrassing. Like again, 50% from the free throw line is just it's unprofessional. It's it's you can't like you can't walk. I don't care if it's a, a 9-year-old girl screaming at the top of her lungs. Do you play in front of NBA crowds that are waving willy-nilly things and jumping up and down screaming obscenities, probably calling your name your mother names, like telling how many times they railed your mom like and you can't make free throws in front of a 9-year-old? Yeah, I agree with that. And I know Maddie didn't like uh, the yelling of Damara's daughter, but I was of the opinion of he's one fucking person. You are a professional basketball player. Make the fucking shot. I don't care what this girl is yelling. I don't care how high pitched her voice is. It doesn't matter. Dude, you are a professional most, basketball player. It's the most standard shot in the game. It's not yes. even like a pull-up <laughs> mid-range jumper. You you. It's from a predetermined distance. With a how, pre- many, usually- how many times did Kobe Bryant get up and shoot a free throw in the morning? Every fucking morning. Right? Sir. Sir. No, 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 no. Hold on. No, how no, many no. times Thought, like, did a Kobe thousand. Bryant get up early in the morning Stop. and shoot free throws? Stop. That's Kobe Bryant, sir. No, uh, that's what you're saying. What he's I'm saying is... Breed. He's a different breed. What I'm saying is, even one of the best players to ever play this game got up at four o'clock in the morning and shot a thousand free throws every fucking day. How many free throws did this man miss? Was it because he's incredibly good? Well, probably. Yes, that's part of it. But he put in the work every day to a point where a free throw is just muscle memory. You're just throwing the ball. I don't care how many people are yelling at you. You're just throwing the ball. I guarantee none of these motherfuckers are it's doing the, what Kobe Bryant used to do. It's the same no distance one in the NBA in does court. what Kobe Bryant used to Probably do. Probably not. And that's why no one's <laughs> as good as Kobe Bryant. It's the same distance in every court, every arena. It's the same basket height. 
it's the same all shot the same size it's everything is the same all the time and you can't even look and go well it's not like we the rest had it out for us we didn't get to the line today 36 times and they dude the sad thing is what did they lose by like five dude they could they could have gone 58 percent from the free throw line and won the game but and here's the dumb thing. Here's the dumbest thing about that. Would we have wanted that anyway? Probably not. Good point. <laughs> right? Good point. We're sitting here going, that's embarrassing. But if they had won, we would have been like, ah, fuck. <laughs> they won. Lower pick. So they can't they can't win right? They can't lose right. It's 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 a mess. They're 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 unsalvageable at this point. It, like at least for another two seasons if if somehow that front office figures out how to turn it around because i don't you know you you are at an inflection point where you could go up but to do that would be incredibly difficult uh they could with their pick plus the Akam, they might be able to do it they got but oof, you gotta like again you gotta find a taker because i think people know that i mean at least Houston knows there's some disconnect between that coach and front office and the players. So, you know, well, the yeah, words know are... because it's been rumored that's where he's going to go. <laughs> right. But that's what I'm saying. But that kind of shit makes its way around the league too. Right. So if you know that a guy like OG doesn't want to play there, you're not giving up a ton for OG. Well, I don't think it's so much that OG doesn't want to play there. I think he just wants more opportunity. I think if you move guys out and around and OG becomes the guy, I think it's not so much the situation of the city. Or sorry, it's not so much the city or the organization. It's just he wants to be one of the five guys. So he very likely is one of the five guys starting next year. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. And I think I think Nick Nurse just wants guys who can shoot the ball. Like, it's hard to run plays when you're running, like, screens and shit, and there's just nobody to pull up, you know? Like, you swing the ball, and a guy, you know, goes back door to the elbow or, or the, the corner, you know? And how are you going to... Like, I remember when it was all mid-range jumpers, like DeRozan, you know? And now it's none. <laughs> now there's none whatsoever. And I just don't know. I don't even know how they expect to win. Pascal can't even do his spin move anymore because everyone knows it. Like, he doesn't have anything. The guy scores on putbacks and and his his wingspan. You know? So Yeah, I just... I think Pascal Siakam is very overrated. To be honest, I don't think he's worth the contract he has. I don't think he's an all-star, to be honest. I think it's the rule where... Every team has to be represented, so it's just like, or whatever, just take Pascal. He's the highest-paid guy. And I'm not knocking Coloco, but, like, he's another guy just like the others. And it's like, it's like Masai just wants 10 guys who have 79-inch wingspans and can't dribble. And we'll just, we'll just wrap the other team around in our arms. Like, we'll just, we'll just, and it's, I don't know, man. I, I just I don't see how you can build like I don't see what the vision of that team was even supposed to be, let alone is. So you know. Well, and that's the thing, like even if the Raptors did win that game, then they have to play Kyle Lowry. <laughs> it's just 
It, yeah. And then if they did win that, then, then what? They're going to get smoked in the first round anyways, right? right. They would have gotten dummied by the Heat. You're just moving so up the draft still, board or down the draft and board. I don't want to like, keep going back to this, but like, <clears throat> so what was it all for? <laughs> like, Why was this even like a buying team at the deadline? That's no. just what drives me nuts about this. Uh, bu- buying they, uh, something they could have had. Yes. For free. He spent two draft picks on Jakob Pertl for no reason. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that this team has entered back into the mid-early 2000s kind of territory. The Colangelo days. Ugh. Yeah. Like, I think I think Messiah deserves a little bit of leash. Yeah. But man, if it goes into this offseason and nothing really gets done, if they go to next season and the same shit happens, I don't think you can be like, well, he brought us a championship in this attitude. At, the, at that point, you're like, Bruh, what are you doing? Dude, they don't have a bench. Nick Nurse refused to play that bench. Fred played like 48 minutes a game, like almost every game. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they just absolutely despise Malachi Flynn. (laughs) Nick Nurse hates him. Hates him. Right. Like, use your backup point guard. Use your backup point guard. If you don't like your backup point guard, get another backup point guard. What's the problem here? I don't understand. But that's the thing. The the management won't. My fear, my fear is that nurse leaves and nothing changes. That it's the yeah. same bullshit. That you get a guy who believes in what they have. Yeah. Who looks at it and is just yeah, we got some good pieces here. Yeah. We got this and that, and we can build towards something. Like you know, that's going to be. Well, the guy who comes in is going to want the job, right? I can win with this. Great. Fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ugh. fucking stupid. It pisses me off. I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's triggering. And I know it's it's we can't really say anything because it's not like we're a New England Patriots or you know, a Pittsburgh Penguins or um a Golden State Warriors where we can say, you know, we deserve we're a dynastic type team that whatever. Like we have one winning season. And dude, all the guys who were the were the championship caliber players on that team are gone. Like the the guys who brought the championship to Toronto aren't Siakam and Fred. Like no, it was Kawhi, it was Mark Gasol, it was Serge Ibaka, it was Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, and Danny Green. You mm-hmm. know, like it's you can't be like yeah, oh like well, this team has Pascal changed. was on the roster OG was on the roster Van Vliet was on OG the was roster hurt. but they weren't like major players on those teams uh, you, you know? could argue Van Vliet was the only one who really was yeah he had a good series yeah he did yeah like but, that Golden but, State series when Lowry got hurt a little bit he he did a lot of heavy lifting right sure. he was a valuable like six seven he wasn't like <laughs> you're, you're you're one that's the thing you know, you can't carry this team forward and be like, look at the championship pedigree we have, I guess is what I'm saying. Because like, there is none. No, that's what I mean by they had one winning season. What are they relying on? If if you didn't follow that up and it's quite the regression you're having, it's it's time to sell off what you can and start building. Because the longer you wait, the rougher it's going to be. Especially in ball too, because like ball can be a young man's game, right? So... Those picks, they can be game changers uh, if you draft high and they come in and, and they're a little more mature. And, uh, you know, they, they talk about Wembenyama being a 
basically a Giannis clone in terms of the fact that he's athletic, but he's skinny and he needs to put on like 120 pounds the same way Giannis did. Like you go back and look at Giannis's draft photos and like his first season. Oh man, that dude looked oh, yeah, like that Kevin Durant's so legs. much trend or fucking steroids. <laughs> it's not even funny. He looks like Kevin Durant's shins, his entire body. So, you know, but and and maybe you know, Maddie. I think you've said this before. Maybe Masai's big plan is to wait until Giannis's contract is up and and take another crack at it because they're tight, Why right? Not? Why not? I mean, Giannis won his title. There's a good chance he wins another one in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the good land. <laughs> no, 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 no. Big getting reference. the reference. That's Wayne's World. Thank you. So I don't know. I just. It's frustrating. This kind of gray area where you're not terrible to be top three pick, but you're not good enough to actually do anything. It's the worst <laughs> position to be in in sports. Yeah. It's actually, it's so bad that Mark Cuban ordered his team to sit down on the bench, right? Like that's how, because he didn't want to give up a pick and he didn't want to like lose more spots in the draft. Also, Kyrie's a cancer. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I don't really want to get into it, but the dude's a cancer. He should be near, nowhere near any team. Nah, soon he'll well, one team that uh, fortunately is still in playoff conversation is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we are just on the precipice of the first round series of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was a foregone conclusion about four months ago because Gary Bettman hates fun and he insists on the Leafs and Tampa playing each other every fucking year. But nevertheless, there's been a number of <laughs> things happening in uh, the Leafs roster over the past few weeks. It's been ridiculous, to say the least. And I wouldn't be surprised if the beginning of next year or sometime around the draft this year, we hear about new rules for the NHL this year. And it's going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs rule and that you're not allowed to dress random guys to play goaltender just to circumvent the salary cap, which is 100% what they're doing. As of right now, of course, Matt Murray is still on long-term injured reserve, and I'm sure we'll stay there until uh, the season ends, even though he's probably healthy. And they don't necessarily need to play Samsonov. And why would you? Like, these games don't matter anymore. The games haven't mattered for the past two weeks. Past they, the Leafs, right? Like, I, I mean, the Leafs can't go up in the standings. They can't go down in the standings. And since Gary Bettman refuses to play one versus eight, it didn't matter if they were better than four other teams in the Eastern Conference. They're going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. So none of these games mattered. And they decided to just keep throwing out college kids in net because why not? <laughs> um, also, not just that, but the Leafs for a while have been experimenting with different lineup combinations. It was they were moving away from the standard 12 forwards and six defensemen, and they were doing a lot of the 11 forwards and seven defensemen or 10 forwards and eight defensemen. Uh, my favorite is that Steve Dangle calls it the, the Slurpee for you get slurpees at 7-eleven so anytime they roll a 7-eleven lineup out there he calls it a slurpee which i thought was funny my question then to you guys is what do you expect to see as the playoff roster slash playoff lineup 
for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Do you see a Slurpee? Do you think it's going to be a 7-11 sort of thing? Do you think it's going to be the traditional 12-6? Maybe it's 10-8? Um, I was I, just goofing around on Cat Friendly and moving some names around. And I can give you what my lineup looks like, if you like. Yeah. So, for sure, I, I will start with this. At first, I didn't think you'd see seven, like the 70-11 forwards. The Slurpee. You can call it the Slurpee. No, I refuse. <laughs> I... The only caveat to that is injuries on the back end may prevent it um, because Gustafson's hurt. And so that may prevent it. They may go with the six. But and then I also think it rotates in your better guys more throughout the game. You know, because Matthews gets more shifts. Tavares will get more shifts. O'Reilly would kind of get more shifts. And then it kind of sorts itself out that way. Um I do have a lineup in my head, though. But let's hear yours. Quickly. All right. So but wait, sorry. Yeah, before you go, yes. I just want to say I, I think people read too much into the eleven and seven thing. I think part of it is is getting these new defensemen as warm Reps. bodies into the playoffs. So they're not sitting in the press box for six weeks heading into the playoffs, right? Like I think we we've seen in years previous, like Maddie said, the injuries happen. I think they're in a very unique position. They have guys capable of doing different things on the back end into these playoffs. And I know we'll do our playoff preview on Monday. So a short time between we meet again, but um, I think, you know, depending on what the series situation is, they can deploy different looks. Like if, if they're going to need more firepower on the power play, maybe it's Gustafson that goes in, right? Like th- they have options now that I don't think they had. And I think 11 and seven was a way to get, these guys, you know, assimilated into the lineup and, and keep them warm. So just, I think a lot of people were like, oh, is this going to be the, nah, I think it was just, like you said, uh, a science experiment to figure out what they had and how they could do it. So my top line is Austin Matthews with Mitch Marner and Callie Yarncroke. I okay. think Yarncroke has found a home there on that line. And I mean, man scored 20 goals this year, which I don't think anybody really expected. First time in his 10 years. Yep. Uh, second line, nice and easy one. John Tavares, William Nylander with Michael Bunting is who I'm putting on the second line there. So that leaves Ryan O'Reilly to be centering your third line with Alex Kerfoot and Matthew Nyes. And then the fourth line is pretty much everyone who's left minus Zach Aston Reese. So I have Aston Reese scratched for this lineup. I have David Kampf in the center. With Noel Achari and Sam Lafferty on the sides. Then on the back end, top pairing, I think, now is solidified as Jake McCabe and TJ Brody. Then I'll have Morgan and Luke. And then Giordano and Liljegren. So I am not dressing Gustafson, who I think is hurt anyways, uh, Connor Timmons or Justin Hall. Is this your ideal lineup or is this This is my ideal one? There's not a chance in the hell that Justin (laughs) Hall is not starting. Justin Hall will play every single playoff game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, guaranteed. All right. And they will live in the start of that sword. And that's your your lineup. I don't think Nice will start game one either. I think it'll be Aston Reese. So mine mine would be. Hold on, sorry, one thing. One last thing. In net, Samsonov starts and Wall backs up. I think we've seen the last of Matt Murray as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Yep. 
and not just because of his injury shit, Wall has seriously outperformed him in the starts. Yes, smaller window of sample size, but has severely outperformed him. I'm very excited actually about Justin Wall from what he's shown so far. Um, not just saying going into the playoffs, I'm saying just beyond this, it gives you confidence for him being a potential starter in the future. But Joseph. with him and Samsonov and yeah, whatever. Joseph Wall. <laughs> Joseph Wall, right? Joseph Wall, yeah. yeah. Samsonite. I was way <laughs> off. <laughs> way off. Um, yeah, so mine is, yeah, Matthews, Marner, Bunting probably for the top line. Uh, Tavares, O'Reilly, Nylander as your second line. Your third line, Kerfoot, Achari, and who would be that other winger? Yarncroke. Yeah, Yarncroke. And then, actually, no, I'm going to change that. I think it's Matthews, Yarncroke, and Marner. And then <laughs> that third yeah. line is the Bunting, yeah. um, yeah. Kerfoot, Achari, and then your fourth line is Kampf, Aston Reese and Lafferty. And then your D pairings are Brody, um, McCabe is your number one. Also your PK one for sure. Your number two is your Riley and Shen. I just think when Riley has a safety net like Shen, like a guy who's like, I am not rushing the puck. It allows Riley to be more of what his strengths are and not have to sacrifice that to get back as much. Um, so I think the Shen pairing has actually worked really well for him. Uh, and then the bottom one is, yeah, Gio and Lilligren. I think all those D pairings, while Hall might be a better option than Shen, just in terms of overall defensive insert, I just think that with the meanness, you saw it the other night against Tampa. Tampa tried bullshit shenanigans. And Shen was like, no, 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 not on my watch. And he dummied Pat Maroon. Like, this wasn't just like a wrestling match. Like, he fed him. And granted, that's a lot because Shen is a southpaw. And that fucks with you. Uh, I, like Jim can attest to this. If there's a guy who's a southpaw swinger when you're on the ice, it messes with you. Like you're you're getting fucked right in the face, and not in a good way. So I just think that what he, the fact that yes, he he may not move as good and shit like that. You don't need him to move. You need him to grab that puck and go high and tight off the glass, and that's all you need. So I think that's that's what my lineup would be in the 10 to easy yeah, is obvious. And that's your ideal lineup, right? Not what you think. Both. All right. I genuinely uh, think that's how it's going to look. So you don't think uh, Lilligren sits? I think if, if there's anyone on D that's going to sit, it would be him. But I just huh. think that with Geo, he's done so well. And he's arguably... I would say he's arguably been one of your best defensemen all season. Yes, he's had speed bumps and some road gaps, but I just think top to bottom with the mobility, he gives you something that none of the other guys really give you. I think up until the last 12 to 15 games, I think he got shook by the amount of defensemen acquired by the team, to be honest. I think it... I think he got shook that they shipped Sandino because that was his boy. Um, and he's got to learn how to, to go through that adversity. But if I was going to do a lineup, I think it wouldn't be too much different than your guys. I think I'm going Yarncroc, Matthews, Marner. Uh, and then I'm going... I'm probably going O'Reilly, Tavares, Nylander, 
and then Achari, Kerfoot, and Bunting, and then the Conf Lafferty Aston Reese line, which has been really, really good at, at hemming dudes in the zone. And then, yeah, McKay Brody, Geo Hall, Riley Shen, Samsonov, and Wall. But I mean, in an ideal world, like, and again, this is just me, and I don't want to be—I don't want to continuously be that guy. You know, depending on at least play the Rangers tonight. Yep, it's just about the puck drop. You know, I don't know if I've seen enough of Nice to start, but in a heartbeat, I would swap him out for Kerfoot. I think, dude, what I've seen that he brings to the table—the the physical engagement, the drive to the net, how comfortable he is playing against like men you know i mean and he's an overager too right so like him playing has already burned a year of his entry-level contract he's not subjected to that 10 game shit because he's, he's well, over playoffs anyway it wouldn't matter right so um right so i uh i don't know man there's something about it like i was skeptical and maddie you remember back early in the days of the podcast when we were previewing the season and it was like wait till nice and i'm like i don't know if he's going to be like the savior I still don't think he's going to be a savior, but man, I got this gut feeling like this dude's primed for like this big playoff goal that he just seems like that kind of dude. I don't like the way he stepped into that shot. Like he was able to recognize the puck was going to be turned over for him and he drove into the blue line and O'Reilly, you know, secured the goal for the team because it wasn't going to make it through. But it, that kind of awareness from that dude, that size, that's different, dude. I that man I don't know I think something I don't know I got a gut feeling but again who do you pull out of the lineup is it Aston Reese is it Lafferty is it Kerfoot like those it's are one of those big, two yeah it's Aston Reese or Lafferty because yeah. out of everyone for the past few years Kerfoot's one of the one of the few dudes who actually steps his game up in the playoffs who has not been the issue and, and he yes might, he's smaller and he gets in there and he might play even different, more different with like the way the team's made up now. The team is a lot more manly than it's been in previous years. I mean, people you know, are in their about, spots. Well, you talk about Riley's wall. No, I mean, I think everyone plays bigger when you know that someone has your back, right? Yeah. And nobody's ever had guys on this team's back except for Wayne Simmons, and he was barely in the lineup. So, you know, you look at how Riley plays next to Shen. I don't think I've seen Riley attempt to close guys off at the blue line more than since he's been playing with Shen. So, well, it's because he knows that if he does do that, there's still a guy back, right? right. Where before, or, you're worried about the other D-man, oh, shit, there's not a guy there. Yeah, that, or if someone tries to scrap you for, for pacing guys, you're not going to sit there and go it alone, right? Which was tradition. Like, you you watch the scrums now, the least between before, it's not just the one dude and everyone skating to the bench. Like, everybody's in there, which is great. Um. And I just, I think Shen's such a linchpin. Like people, man, people talked about Shen being like, well, he can't do this. He can't do that. He's slow, blah, blah, blah. He's not that he's an eighth defenseman. Again, I haven't seen, I've seen a couple gaffes. I haven't seen a major flaw since this guy's been in the lineup. There's been a couple, yeah, like minor little, like, moments. Brain farts, yeah. And Nye's, Nye's had those too. Um I'm kind of with you on Nice. I don't think he starts. I think he does play a playoff game. I do think he gets in at one point. If it's going to be, it's going to probably be game two because you can control the matchups and protect him a little bit. Um, 
but and I know Robertson had played a, a little bit, but he had some NHL games under his belt in terms of you know regular season games. I think it's a lot to ask a dude as a college rookie who's played three NHL games at this point going into the playoffs to go in against. It's not just any team; it's Tampa. Like, if there's any team you want to model yourself after, it's the Lightning. And not to say that I don't think he's up for it. I just think you're putting more or you're asking more from him in that situation. And while I agree, I think it, the benefit is that he got to look at them, right? Yeah. I think that's invaluable that he was able to hang. He didn't look at a place. And that's the thing. Nope. I didn't, he didn't stink up the joint, right? You're not like, oh, fuck. That's, I hope this guy doesn't touch the puck. Or why did this guy throw the puck in front of his net? He's pretty uh, solid. A couple he did, but not like egregiously. Not as bad as what we've seen from some guys. But right. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I think, and I think the benefit of that too is that Tampa iced what their team will be going into the playoffs. The Leafs did not, and they look good. And I know John Cooper is pr- trying to like posture and be like, "Well, there was no intensity in that game. That was an exhibition." Like, fuck off, man! Like, your team tried everything they could to get under the Leafs' skin, and for it didn't work. And they actually pushed back and were better at it than your team was. Because they have the players, they have, you know, not necessarily guys that are going to pace you all the time, but they have those annoying grinders, your Charis, your Lafferty's, your McCabe's, your Shen's, um, even Yarncroft gets in there and pisses you off. Kerfoot pisses you off, right? Um, your Aston Reese. So I think what that, what he's trying to do is, is trying to temper the, the, the result by saying, Oh well, yeah. Like our team wasn't really engaged. It's like no, you're just trying to play it like you guys didn't give a shit when you tried everything possible to send that message going into the playoffs. There was also one particular Leafs game recently that uh, got a bit of attention that I think we need to discuss, and that was this past Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens. Always a spirited game between Toronto and Montreal. Not so much this year because the Maple Leafs are one of the best teams in the league and Montreal is embarrassingly bad. Um, So much so that the game ended 7-1 in favor of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, they dummied a team that they should. Something Jimmy's been (laughs) asking for for how long? Right. Right. That's something we don't normally get to see, which is nice when the Leafs play a team that they should beat. And a lot of times they don't. In this case, they did. Um, They played Montreal and put up a touchdown. Now, we were discussing briefly earlier in this segment about the bootleg goaltenders of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is, I think, the the first time they did this, at least this season, when they signed Jet Alexander. No, not the child of uh, Impact Wrestling former world champion Josh Alexander. This was a uh, University of Toronto student with the same name, Jet Alexander who got to dress as a Maple Leaf backup goaltender for this particular game. And there was about a minute left, maybe a little more than a minute left, and the Leafs were up 7-1. And they said, you know what, kid? It'd be fun if you just go out there and you, you play the rest of the game. So they sent the kid out there and gave him a nice moment to play an NHL game on NHL rink as a goaltender something that he probably will never see in his life. So it was a nice, fun little moment for... Against an AHL team. Against an ECHL team, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So after the game, 
there is media availability with the players, of course, and most players um, were saying you know, it was a special moment for Jed Alexander to give him an, a nice, like, albeit nerve-wracking opportunity to go out there and play a little bit. I mean, honestly, who cares? Who gives a shit? Like, it's a it's a meaningless game. The Leafs can't go up or down in the standings. Montreal isn't going to get any worse, and they're not going to get any better. So it's a meaningless game to both teams. Why not give the kid a nice moment? Uh, Chris Weidman, however, who plays for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, was not happy about it and said they'll get what they deserve in a few weeks. Of course, alluding to the fact that the Maple Leafs uh, typically find a way to be eliminated in the playoffs in the first round. But here's the thing. First of all, Chris. Christopher. Um, first of all, Christopher. Uh, this isn't about you. Did you ever consider that? Like, this, you're not the center of the universe. Uh, you may feel that way because you play for the Montreal Canadiens, but... And I know uh, the reporters asked you the question, so I'm not uh, suggesting you shouldn't answer the question, but the moment wasn't about you. So if you feel offended by a kid getting an opportunity on the ice to give him a moment he'll remember for the rest of his life. Like a jersey with your name on it, you're from there. Like, uh. you know, I mean, like, this isn't about. What like the the Maple Leafs aren't trying to embarrass you? The Maple Leafs already have embarrassed you for the past fifty eight fucking minutes. <laughs> so if you had a problem with that, you probably should have did something about it the past fifty eight fucking minutes. Especially as a defenseman, like you're directly contributing to not preventing that score. I also want to give you some stats here. Uh, Chris Weidman, uh, in his career, is a minus twenty four player. Chris Weidman is on one of the worst teams in the history of the NHL, of the Montreal Canadiens. Statistically, how many points the Montreal Canadiens have scored this year? It might be one of the worst Montreal Canadiens teams ever in the history of the Montreal Canadiens. He is the sixth defenseman on that fucking team. If Chris Weidman tried to play an NHL game for 24 other teams in the league, he wouldn't make the roster. Chris Weidman isn't better than 10 defensemen that the Toronto Maple Leafs currently have. So when you say stuff like they'll get what they deserve, you need to take a moment, sir, and you need to establish what do you deserve? Because, brother, you barely deserve to be in the NHL right now. Wasn't we see also the dude who got caught on the Uber camera shit talking his coach and then had to like do the apologies and shit like that in Ottawa? I can't confirm or deny that, but uh, he did play for Ottawa from 2015 to 2019. I'm pretty sure it was him that he got booked on the Uber camera. And was shit talking the coach, saying something about how oh he wasn't it him and uh, what's his nuts, Matt Deshane? Were they in Ottawa yeah, I together? So. I just typed in Chris Weidman Uber, and there's a couple articles that came up. <laughs> Uber, Chris, we- and such, Chris so. Weidman discusses leaked Uber video that ruined his NHL career. I don't know if that Dude, ruined his NHL career. To be honest, I don't know. Right. Have no. you seen Montreal's defense core? They're they're nobodies, and that dude is sixth. 
like I was joking with my dad because I was watching that game with him and I was like you need to look at the names of these defensemen on the NHL he's like oh I know they're all nobody like they're all rookies five out of six of them are like rookie except for Ed- Edmonds Edmonds Edmondson Joel Edmondson and I guess to an extent Weidman they're all jabronis and Matt as well yeah, oh, yeah, could you imagine right. that you're making that comment, but you're six defensemen on a team full of rookie defensemen that are ahead of you? You're a guy who's been in the league for six years, and you're somehow still only making $700,000 a year the real on a multi-year story, deal. <laughs> the real story was the other... Actually, you know what? I'm going to save it for my shout-out. I'm going to save it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, like in, in what world do you think that has anything to do with you or embarrassing you? Your team's been an embarrassment all season for one of the most storied franchises in the league. And you're going to come out with that shit because now you just look like a clown. You want to like, know it's how not... embarrassing that team has been this year? Nick Suzuki is second on the team in goals. Do you know who's first? Uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mike Hoffman. Nope. Who? Dustin, take a guess. Don't My look. guess would be Josh Anderson. Incorrect. It's Cole Caulfield. He hasn't played half the season. <laughs> oh, God. And I will say this. Montreal's not going to be good anytime soon. They don't have a tendy. They don't... Well, even, ha- even when they did have a goaltender, like Carey Price, Carey Price should sue the Montreal Canadiens. He was phenomenal. And they gave him what? Alex Kovalev? Like, what was the best player they ever gave Carey Price to play offensively, I mean? Like, who was there to put pucks in the net when Carey Price was stopping puck from going in their net? Like, Josh like, Anderson. <laughs> right? Like, you see my point? Like, for so many years, they had Carey Price and they had P.K. Subban. And, like, you had a core to build around, but they didn't. Well, and they had all these first-round picks of guys that they just shipped out. Yep. That we've talked about ad nauseum before. But they're... It, Honestly, their hope right now is Bedard. Their worst nightmare was Florida getting into the playoffs because they have Florida's first round pick. So they were hoping Florida doesn't make it and potentially wins that lottery and can move up and they have two picks in the top 10. It's not going to happen now. Um, they, their defense is they have nobody on the back end that you can look forward to. Their forwards outside of Caulfield, who it's becoming very apparent that playing a full season may not be in his cards every year. Um, I do think he's smaller, and if you're going to play that many minutes against that many top pairings and against a checking line that is specifically meant to grind you out, he's going to get hurt a lot. It's either A, he figures it out and learns to play like Marner does, or B, you understand he's going to be playing 65 games a year. And then that the fact that there's Josh Anderson's either going to get dealt or bought out. And Brennan Gallagher's either going to be gone or there is not a good future for this team in the next two, three years. What do you mean? They got Logan Mayu. Yeah, that fucking piece of shit. Yeah. And that's just another thing to add to the list of embarrassment of the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know. Jim, what do you think? <laughs> Maybe they got what was coming to them. Yeah, I agree. Maybe well, I don't know, man. Mayu, like they, is... they don't have they don't have any goaltenders in the pipeline. Like it's it's frustrating. I mean, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, like sucks to be you right now. Like, and I don't mean that in a in a 
fuck you condescending way. sarcastic yeah, way. i mean that like dude we've been there um yeah the Le- we've been there as leaf fans right you know i think you as a fan base deserve more than you've been getting um i think you know hopefully there's a plan going forward for that team i don't know what it is you're becoming notoriously small and i'm not i'm just i'm not sure i don't know the the thing that scares me is there's no there's no goaltending help coming for them like it's Zero. not like carry price like the, and also if the biggest news for your team is that carry price is on a bench during practice or something that's nuts well your biggest news is that carry price is in the building for a game right and that's sad like that's what you're trying to rally your team around like carry price is dropping the puck he's wearing his cowboy hat and his cowboy boots and he's here and he's doing things and he's shaking hands and kissing babies guys we got to play for that like it's just i don't know like i said is i obviously do not like that organization but at the same time i understand the value of that organization to the league and this is just bad because you thought you're like hey montreal's gonna have a bright future at this point ottawa looks infinitely better than the habs do and it's not close not by a long shot because Suzuki's okay. Would I say that he is a superstar? Absolutely not. Caulfield, would you say? You'd be like, yeah, he's a good player. He's like probably third-tier star player. Like you have your superstars. You have your McKinnons, your Matthews, your McDavid's, your Dry Saddles, your Marners, superstars. Then you go down the next list of guys where are the guys that still, you know, produce but aren't like top guys. Like your Miko Rantanen, although he's having an insane year, he's a star. Your um like Tyler said, yeah, star, Brad Marchand, star. Like you have guys like that. I wouldn't put Caulfield in those top two tiers. Would you? Not yet. No, probably not. If he had stayed healthy this year and he'd been on the trajectory he was on, maybe. Like he was probably going to get, well, he was on the trajectory to get like 60 goals. But like I yeah. said, he didn't stay healthy. Phil Kessel also scored a ton of goals too. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the comparable I use. Like a smaller kind of guy played on a Maple Leafs team that was dog shit. And I feel like it's a similar situation that Montreal's in right now. Yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if and this is gonna be hilarious if you see another one of their first round picks out the door in the next three, four years. Because they'll be ties to Montreal. What do you think that dude has ties to Montreal? US born player. He's got no ties to the history. He doesn't care. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he goes off and plays for the Rangers in like four years. Or asks for a trade and he goes to play for, like I said, like the Rangers or... um, Fuck, you know it'll be Boston. It'll be Blackhawks too. <laughs> yeah, Blackhawks Black are going to have a lot of money to spend. Oh, yeah. So... And one Connor Bedard, most likely. Yeah. Yep. So, yo, honestly, yo, Connor Bedard put up twenty something points in, seven <laughs> in a playoff games. series. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> like, and they still lost, yeah. right? But yeah. man, that was an insane. Like, I watched some of those games. Holy shit, that dude is something else. And it's not even like it's in the queue. Like, he did this in the WHL, man. Like, that's hard. That is hard hockey. So, I don't know, man. If you're a team, you have an instant hard on if you win that draft lottery. <laughs> so to put a button on that, uh, Chris Weidman uh, needs to 
needs to, you know, read the room before he starts uh, throwing any stones. That's all I want to say. Um, but we do like to end the show on a positive note and give some shout outs. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week, because it is a segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his uh, very long run as a WWE superstar. I'm going to go first, since I don't know if you guys have one ready. I know James has one ready. Wait, wait one second. Maddie has one ready, too. Perfect. <laughs> you talk about Maven, his long run. I think Chris Weidman is like the Maven. Like, <laughs> Imagine if Maven <laughs> was like... Don't disparage you know the name of Maven. The, the Undertaker, you know, he really needs to... You know, he'll get what's coming to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh man, you should, have you watched that recently? That uh, chair shot from Undertaker to Maven. Yeah, no, but I remember how brutal it was. It might be one of the most violent chair shots I've ever seen in my life. Like, I we were so desensitized to that sort of thing at that era of wrestling, where everyone got hit in the head with a chair. But when you go back and watch it now, you're like, "Fuck!" I'm like, watching that it now. is. That is some CTE right there. That guy lost years of his life with oh, that dude. chair shot to the head. Brain cells were dissipated. Like it was yeah. vapor. Did he just vaporized. not like him? No. Well, well, here, Undertaker was like the locker room leader sort of thing, right? So you have his rookie coming in, and I think this is part of the rookie hazing was to fuck with the kid. And his way of fucking with the kid was smoking him in the head with a chair. Like you want to do this? Take yeah, you this. sure, you sure, kid. You, you want to be in this business, kid? And yeah, that's a different time. Different time was two thousand one. Yeah, I just uh, my shout out. My shout out is going to go to Hunter Renfro, and you're probably wondering why Hunter Renfro, the right fielder for the Anaheim Angels or LA Angels or LA Angels of Anaheim or whatever they're called. Let me set the scene here. I'm sitting watching this game, and like I said, there was uh, very clearly Angels fans, Jays fans, and then Otani fans. But uh, that's probably a lie because there's a there had to been like a fourth type of person in the building, and that fourth type of person is not exclusive to Anaheim. This happens everywhere, uh, even in Toronto. And we briefly talked about it when we were talking about the renovations at the Rogers Center. There were people who were there just to be there. They weren't necessarily there to watch a baseball game. And the reason why I think that they're there to be there and not there to watch a baseball game is because they were bouncing around a beach ball. You know, it's like a fucking rock concert or something. They're like hitting the beach ball all over the place, right? This beach ball eventually finds its way into right field during the game. So Hunter Renfro turns around, sees the beach ball, in between pitches, runs over to the beach ball, Everyone's like, yeah, all right, he's going to give us our beach ball back. And then steps on it and fucking rips it in half and throws it aside. I'm like, hell yes, Hunter Renfro. Hell yes. Fuck these idiots with their stupid beach ball. We're watching a goddamn baseball game here. It's, it reminds me of the people who are like, let's do a wave. <laughs> let's do a wave. When it's like a one-run game and the tying runs at the fucking plate. Like, do you guys like it's, care it's, about what's <laughs> happening right now? Dude, it's... <laughs> It's it's Shooter McGavin. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just golf. Yeah. 
Go back no, to your shanties, people. Yeah, <laughs> where you get the fucking beach ball in the end of the nine iron. Like. So yeah, so shout out to Hunter Renfro for being a professional baseball player and uh, breaking the stupid beach ball. That's funny. Do you want to go, Jim? Because it seems sure. like you had a good one. Yeah, God. my uh, my shout out is to a very well prepared fifty five year old male legend in the city. And that's my shout out goes to Curtis Joseph for being the emergency backup goalie for the oh Elise for, for one evening, which that's I thought awesome. was really fucking cool. Um, oh, we yeah. got to see like the footage of him carrying his equipment into the, into the rink because he was the only capable emergency backup goalie they could find or they had well, ready. Um, I mean, David Ayers is probably available. Uh, I don't know if he still works there. I'm pretty sure he's a, a Canes guy now. He's probably on the Canes payroll. But uh, it was cool like to think that th- at one point this season, Curtis Joseph could have played minutes for the Toronto Maple Leafs again. That's fucking wild to me. And I think Wipe back... Dude, could you imagine the ovation that would have happened had that happened can you imagine how many goals would have been scored on curtis joseph if he had to go into that game we should have um, just let it happen right just oh i pulled my hammy oh i pulled my hammy uh guess curtis has to come in and he's got the the dog mask on and oh man it would have been incredible but uh i, I shout out to the guy i think because you think back on you know those were good days man when he took the ref down because he was losing his mind like I don't know. It's it reminded me how good those days were and how good of a goaltender he was. Sometimes I think underrated. Like when we talk about great goaltenders, he doesn't get mentioned in the conversations very often because he doesn't have the the shutouts or the wins or the cups or whatever. But when we talk about a good stable goaltender, uh, I mean he was as good as they get. Um, and really harkens back to a day when goalies had cool masks, man. And I don't know why they don't have them as cool like that anymore. I think because they like to put more of like what's meaningful to them on them as opposed to like a, a concept. But um, yeah, man, just watching him walk down the hall with the bag was like, fuck, that's cool. So shout out to Curtis Joseph. No, I like that one. And I assume next week we'll probably talk about Le- teeing up Leafs Tampa. So that'll be cool because I'm sure he'll be in the building. Guys like Wendell, him, Dougie, they'll be oh, there. The but, um, my shout out is not as like cool it's kind of like somber um kind of an end of an era type thing my shout out to jonathan taze who it was announced tonight he's going to be playing his last game as a chicago blackhawk the guy who arguably put that team back on the map in in the league him and patty kane revived the chicago blackhawks from being absolute jokes of the league um just he's battling he's been battled through you know mysterious illness he's you know kind of been in and out and they kind of said yeah we're not re-signing him this will be his last game i think they owe it to him to do something either next year or special whether he may even retire who knows but man leading that team to three cups um in 2010 2013 2015 uh just man it's 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 sad to see you know when guys that we grew up with and you know kind of end of an era type thing like that so you know great career in chicago revived that team led them to three cup captain serious you know obviously you know who knows if he is retiring or if he would retire but what a guy so 
all the cups and don't forget the Olympic gold medals for Canada too. And I think, well, and the junior moment, the shootout where he was the shooter repeatedly took all three. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, you know, I didn't want to kind of go that way because of, you know, it doesn't know if he is retiring or not. Obviously it's something he's going to think about, but fair enough. you know, it was more of just knowing that he'll, he's not going to put on that sweater, which is the greatest Jersey in sports. I don't care what anyone says. It's the best. If I, I, had money I, I disagree, to bet, but that's fine. If I had money to bet on it, you can count on Jonathan Taves being a Winnipeg Jet next year. I, I mean, if he's healthy enough to play and can he can say I can do a full season, then I think you know he's there on a league minimum. He's made a lot of money. He's fine. But yeah, that's my shout out is to JT. And our shout out is to all of you for tuning in for another episode of 43.6. Make sure you tune in next week, which will be our playoff preview. And will also be episode 52, the one year anniversary. Are you going to be here? Because every milestone you fucking miss. And we didn't miss Um, a beat. We didn't miss a week. We didn't miss a week. Yeah, we did not miss a week of not recording. We maybe moved around the day. You know, guys were in and out. But man, we did not miss a week. Not bad for three idiots just doing a sports podcast. You're too generous. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. We will see you next week for the one year anniversary special. See you.